0: Good Sunday service and a beautiful time together, starting with our breakfast in the morning and our, our children's program and um, our morning service, the message, and then our welcome. What a, what a beautiful day. The songs of the day have just been ringing in my mind, and uh, the, the Lord has used it to, to just keep me... Uh, Keep me worshiping and thanking him for, for what he's done. <clears throat> we thank the Lord for uh, being able to celebrate. We celebrate every Sunday Jesus' death, his resurrection, and what that means to us. Tonight, I want to look at Psalm 103 and Psalm 107 and just reflect a little bit. Um, the Psalms are great, um, it's a Holy Spirit inspired outlet. Or, or expression for the believer it's some some expressions of joy some expressions of, of of just the difficulty of life or the difficulty of life in faith with God how we have challenges in our faith um, and we look to God for hope and so the psalm is, is is a wonderful way to just um, let God minister to us and and through us. And the way, way to express those desires of our heart or even those sorrows or hurts of our heart and, and to do it to bring us back to reflect on God. Let's look at Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You see how the psalmist is preaching to himself? He's saying, let me take time And let me purposefully reflect on God and let me praise him. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's like he's speaking to himself as he speaks to others as as well. Don't let me forget what God has done for me. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Think and reflect on that, the things that God has done. He forgives all of our iniquity, not just some of it, all of it. What a glorious thing to know that our sins are forgiven by God. He heals our diseases we can go to God with the troubles uh, the the physical body troubles that we have we've been taking uh our prayer requests and we note those things and and uh so uh even though we are a small uh group we have a lot of um a lot of things that we pray for a lot of individuals that we pray for and some aren't even mentioned in the prayer requests all the time but we know that that they need prayer maybe it's Um, a visit to the doctor that that it's a nagging thing that goes on or or something that is you have a history with and you continue to look care for Um, but God is our healer he's the one that we go to uh, to to uh, to ask for his help to ask for his healing who redeemed your life from the pit I was thinking the other day There's a song that Mickey sings, Where Would I Be? If it wasn't for his mercy, where would I be? And and it's like, I didn't want to think about it. I I didn't want to go down that road. I know that um, my outlook would not be good. My life would not be good had God let me to myself and let me do the things that I wanted to do um, and and to go down that road and that path. He redeems us from the pit. I would have been stumbling down in the pit um, but he redeemed me from that um, I don't know how well you know yourself um, but I know I'm here tonight out of the goodness of God and and God sustains me in ministry in work it keeps me busy keeps me focused uh, in his work that's a good thing for me um, if, if I don't have that I'd be focused on something that's not worthwhile and my life would would, would like like it says go down to to the pit, um, to worthlessness. Now some people think that um, worthless looks all the same. Like like they always think that it's it's the person that's in a gutter, right? Or the person that that is is um, uh, homeless and doesn't have anything. But it's a lot of people who are running a rat race and are in the pit. Their, their life has no hope um, they, they're trying to manufacture their own hope and they're on a helpless loop of insanity um, and, and uh, you know so whatever your pick could have looked like is not good and it's not leading in a good direction it um, says who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy we couldn't begin to count and a number, the things that God has done for us in his love and his mercy for us. Mercy has been stated to be that judgment that I deserve that he withholds from me. Grace has been said to be that good that I don't deserve that he gives to me. Both of those apply towards us in in, in tremendous way. He crowns you with steadfast love. I like that fact that steadfast is not fickle. It's not just when I'm good, when I'm behaving. His love is steadfast uh, for me so that he might um, um, save me from my sin. Um, Who satisfies you with good so that your your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, I know we don't always feel in these bodies like we're renewed. Um, But the fact is, God has given us the strength and the energy to continue on. And we're going to struggle in these bodies until we go to be with him. Because these bodies weren't meant to last forever. But he gives us the strength to carry on. He gives us the strength to serve him. And, and we ought to serve him with the strength um, that he's given us. Now I want to um, branch out to, to Psalm 107 as well. So let's look at that real briefly. Psalm 107. Just a few pages over. It says, oh, give thanks the Lord for he is good for steadfast love endures forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west from the north and from the south and then he goes through the journeys that um, Israel has gone through and how God has redeemed them from uh, those things we could input our own journeys that God has redeemed us from. But it just says God is good, um, and we should give thanks to him. His steadfast love endures. I mean, it's, it's kind of a repetition of words, right? Steadfast and endures. His steadfast love and endures. The point is, is that we don't have words to describe how great God's love is for us. Um, and so it's, it's just putting it to, to those words, endures how long? Forever. And then it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. so. So those of us who, who um, have been blessed by God, um, we ought to speak it out. We ought to remember, we ought to reflect, and we ought to, to speak um, to ourselves, first of all, and to others, express what God has done for us. So um, just thinking after resurrection sunday um um, just taking some time today as we pray we're going to pray for our needs uh we're going to bring that to the lord because he is our healer he is the one that that we have our hope in and and we go to with our issues but we're also going to remember what he has done and what he uh is doing now so that we go to him with a thankful heart and with a hopeful heart so let's remember that as we pray today I'm encouraged that we got three new members.
1: I'm encouraged because God is really doing a work in our church. And We have to let it be a work, not just collectively, but also in our individual lives. You know, the way I see it, it's kind of like a football team. Everybody's got to win their little battle. everybody got to beat their guy. And then help somebody else beat their guy when we do that we win and I've been encouraged by the word of God especially my dad's sermon on Sunday It's profound and a blessing to me thinking about that it made me change up my reading plans and go through the book of Matthew I knew I was missing something you know it's good because sometimes somebody will say a word and it just unlock a scripture for you. It really, his word really unlocked the book of Matthew for me. And I appreciate you for that, Dad. And I appreciate the word of God being preached. I think I appreciate it more because I preach. Because you understand that it's a labor. That's a labor of love, but it's still a labor, it's an effort involved. And there's skill involved as well. It's just a skillful way that he delivered the word of God. But there's just a lot of things that go into God's word. And that's why I love the book of Hebrews as well because there's a lot that goes into God's word and what I'm delivering to you is not things that haven't been delivered to me. These are not original thoughts. This is not some great discovery that I made. These are things people have passed down to me over the years and then I used God packages them up and then you should freely give what's been freely given to you. Amen? And so I praise God for that. That's just the way that the word works for me. And so when we be going through this book of Hebrews, here's some things that I love about it. First off, it is bringing together the Old and New Testament. If you have questions about how the Old Testament fits in the New Testament and you haven't studied hard through Romans and Hebrews, you really don't know what you're talking about. I would add Matthew through that too. You really don't know what you're talking about. These books try, and they don't just try, they do. They explain how God's Word fits together as a perfect whole. There's another thing I love, and that is the changes in tones in the book. You know, it's one thing that I let me tell you, nothing makes me more angry than seeing God's word taught in an incompetent fashion. And one of the ways it could be taught in an incompetent fashion is to not match the energy of the text. Right? If it's an angry text and you teach it happy, that's a miscarriage of justice. If it's a happy text and you teach it sad, it's a miscarriage. If you question, I've seen somebody teaching a precatory psalm and they tried to blunt it not make it angry I'm sorry that's terrible we need to take and feel that raw anger and then try to figure out how could a believer feel that raw anger and is it good or is it bad well, it's Holy Spirit inspired so it's obviously good how can we be angry in good ways isn't that helpful to explain but we miss those opportunities when we try to fix God's Word into our own thoughts Instead of the way that God's Word is. And so I say all that to say that's how I started to figure out this section that we're going to go in today. I just never understood how it fit in Hebrews. Never did. But God's Word opened up for me. And so we're going to look in chapter 5, verse 11, and read this rebuke section. The tone changes. It seems like he was going through and he was flowing. And you got to understand this when you're going through a book, a book has a mood, a feel. It's a song, right? And you're sitting there going to this song and he's like, man, he's hitting these high notes. He's starting. All of a sudden he gets to Melchizedek and then he stops. Because it's one of those kind of songs where the whole mood of the song changed for just a bit. And we're in this serious part now we're in this serious part and here's the thing that God's word does that no other best selling book does it turns around and rebukes you now who would do that if they wanted to be read but God's word is just true it don't care about listen God's word is not caring about being a bestseller God's word is caring about delivering the truth and so this word turns around and rebukes you and it's got a different tone now he rebuked not just for the purpose of just kicking us down He's rebuking for the purpose of breaking us down so he could build us up the right way. And so we're going to see that in this section, and there's three main points that you just can't miss, but let's just read it through. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. But though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, or of faith towards God, or of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I just never really understood how this section fit. I just didn't until I started to get the three keys. What are the three keys? Three keys are there's three ages. This book is about three ages. It's connecting the ages, the ages of the old, the ages of the present, the age of the future. the Before the church age, when the Holy Spirit was not freely given out, the church age where everybody should receive the Holy Spirit, and the age to come where we live in the presence of God. This book is about Jesus Christ. It teaches us all about who he is. And then more than that, this book is about believing in him. And that's why he's rebuking because he's saying, I got a lot to say about this, but you know, it's hard to explain because you're not listening. How are you going to have faith if you don't listen? You know, we got a lot of hard-headed people in the church. And sometimes people come to church, and you know, I like when people come for Easter service, don't get me wrong, but sometimes when I see the people come, I wonder, why did you come? I get you wanted to wear your nice suit or your nice dress, wanted to bring your kids, you wanted to see the program but really what good did it do you? Because you're dull of hearing. Did you hear the sermon that I heard? I don't believe you did. Did you hear the singing that I heard? I don't believe you did. Why? Because you are dull of hearing. What's dull of hearing? The inability to distinguish. Now I got a good ear. I got a good ear is one of the things that allowed me to pick up the bass the way that I do. But you know, I got sick a few months ago. I had this little infection in my ear. And what the infection did is, it didn't allow me to distinguish when one note kind of changed to another one as clearly as I liked. So I went to the doctor and tried to get it fixed and all these things. And they said, you know, your hearing is good. It's just got to go away on its own. And I was mad about that, but point is, is that the doctor was trying to help me out. He was trying to save me from paying money for a procedure that I really didn't need. I really wasn't trying to hear that. But you know, there was a problem. I came there for what I wanted, but I didn't want to hear from the expert, because I wanted my problem to be fixed the way that I wanted it to be fixed, even if it was going to save me some money. I had become dull of hearing not just physically but spiritually. I didn't want to listen. We can get like that sometimes. We can get dull of hearing. What does it mean to be dull of hearing? Dull of hearing is not to distinguish what you should be paying attention to. People always want to make noise. to make a proper sound, you have to have proper listening. You ever heard somebody deaf talk? It sounds very strange because they can't hear themselves. It's not their fault. We talk about somebody who can't sing, and the reason they can't sing is not because their lips can't make the words or their breath can't make the sounds. It's because they can't hear when they go off note. Off key. They're not listening to themselves. Maybe they don't have the ability to listen to themselves, but that's a problem. He says, you need to be teachers. You should be ones telling other people how to distinguish the notes that God is playing. But you're dull of hearing. You need milk, not solid food. You're stuck on the basics. And he said, the problem is, it's not that the basics is wrong. It's that somebody that's a grown man shouldn't just be drinking milk all day should be a balanced diet of God's Word. And we got churches like this all in America. All they do is go through Paul's epistles every week. And Paul's epistles, nothing wrong with Paul's epistles. I love Paul's epistles. But they don't go through the Old Testament. They don't go through the Gospels. They don't go through the Book of Revelations. They're too scared to do that. And what you got is a people with an unbalanced diet. Become dull of hearing like that. Solid food is for the mature. He's, in other words, he's saying, you got to grow up. If you're not growing up, you really don't have true faith. Don't tell me you're hearing God's word and you the same old way you was before. And he then says that, and you might say, Brian, you kind of adding to the text. No, I'm not. What's the analogy he start using in the next section? Ground that doesn't grow. He said, how is it going to have water, sun, nutrients, and not produce a crop? That's ground that needs to be cursed, he says. How are you going to be hearing God's word, encouraged by his people, hearing his songs, being prayed up, and then act badly, producing thorns? That's the sign of you being cursed. That's why two people can come into church and one of them is shaken by God's word and the other one don't feel nothing. It's not that the words was different to the two people. One is dull of hearing and one is sensitive. Let's put it another way. One is sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the other one doesn't tune the Holy Spirit out. And we could become experts at tuning the Holy Spirit out. Did you know that? ever met somebody and you be like, hey, they calling you and they don't even hear it. They don't That sound out. I can do that. I listen to music and I can tune out everything except for what I'm trying to listen to. But we all do that. We can even do that with smells, you know. You go to somebody's house and it stinks because the dog is living there and they ain't cleaned it up enough. But when they go in their house, they don't smell nothing. Why? Because they tuned it out. They got a working nose. They're just used to it. Sometimes we let the stink of sin become too accustomed to us. And now we can't smell it no more. And then when somebody else come over and say, hey, man, you know, you got to do something about this thing? What thing? I smell a little bit like dog. I'm, I'm sitting on your couch and now I go home smelling like that. Nah, nothing wrong with it. You're the only one saying something. Everybody else come over here, you're the only one got attitude. Like, I don't even, I ain't inviting you no more. You ain't even coming on. No, right? But could it be that the person that annoy you for that second, maybe you just take a second, take a step back just for a little bit. Could they be trying to help you? Here's the thing that I always say to myself did that person have joy in saying what they said to me? If they didn't enjoy it, then could it be that they felt like they had to say it? And if they felt like they had to say it, could it be, even if it was said badly, could it be that they tried to say it for my good and not for my harm? And then if they said it for my good and not for my harm, can I strain out all the stuff I don't like and take the good and leave out the bad sometimes as Christians we just get too holy he came at me with the wrong heart okay forget all that listen don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. water there's a whole baby in there sometimes three or four And we straining out some obviously some perfectly good bath water to be honest just listen to what's being said So he says, we speak in these ways, yet in your case, beloved, we feel better, we sure of better things. I know you're doing good, he says. Look, you're still doing some good stuff. You're doing work, you're serving the saints, you got love, but I still had to rebuke. Because just because you're doing good don't mean you're doing good enough. You know, Jesus gave this parable it was a man who took the talent that he gave and buried it into the ground. And he said, you know, Lord, I did that because I know you're a harsh master, this and this and that. And he said, hey, if you knew I was a harsh master, the least you could have did was give my money to the banker and get some interest. If you know I look for increase where it's not even deserved, why would you be like that? I think we can get caught up in a nonprofit mindset here. We need to have a for-profit mindset. Because we think that what we do is good enough just because we did it. They can't fire me. Don't test God. I've never seen God not repay me for the work that I've done. This is a for-profit ministry. In two ways. It's profitable. It's a benefit but it's also prophetic it's a full profit ministry we need to operate like that amen we're not volunteers we soldiers in his kingdom we are his servants amen